Oh, hey, everybody. This is Mallory, and you're listening to Cinema 5000. Uh, I hope everything is going great for you in this new year of 2023. I hope you have already seen your first movie of the new year. And if you have not, uh, I've got 11 movies to talk to you about. Maybe one of these will spark your interest, whether I like it or not. Uh, but I just want to say again, Happy New Year to everybody who listens to the podcast wherever you are in the world. Um, my 2022 was a great year, especially since... I got this podcast going, and I'm super proud of myself for doing it. Um, I had, I wrote something about this on Twitter, uh, on the Cinema 5K Twitter account, Cinema 5000, uh, Cinema 5K at Twitter.com. Uh, I, I have wanted to do this podcast for so long and had no idea how exactly I was going to do it. Like, the podcast where I just talk about movies I've seen, and, uh, like, I remember years and years and years ago, uh, I would go to this coffee shop in a, a local uh, city, I guess technically it's a city, but I would go to this really cool coffee shop and I would just try to fool around with graphics and like try to write a script about what I was going to do. And I did that a number of times and it just never came into fruition. And uh, yeah, but here we are now where I have not only had my podcast going for one season, but now we're in season two and we're now in the second year of the podcast because I started it way back in like February 2022 so we're almost a year but not quite regardless um it's a new year and there's new things to talk about plenty of things to talk about in this episode so 11 movies to talk to you about um I'm actually going to be kind of brief on some of these uh just a disclaimer because uh a number of these are newish movies like movies that have come out uh I guess technically since like October November and even December so stuff that I just I just don't want to spoil to you if you haven't seen them um <laughs> uh yeah I don't want to be that person to like you know give away everything so I am going to be kind of brief especially since with 11 movies if I talked about every single one of them at length um this would be a very very long episode so this is going to be kind of brief I have I have to say uh but I hope you enjoy this uh episode and everything that comes in this new year for the podcast because obviously <laughs> uh, we've got tons of things coming down the, the pipe um it's a wordsy season so there's some movies I have to I guess I don't have to see them but I feel obligated to see uh and then there's like my top 10 maybe top 15, top 20 of 2022 that I'll talk to you about, and then my worst movies, and I've got a special episode coming up soon in February too, so uh, plenty of things going on, and I hope you enjoy all of them, and if you don't, why don't you send me an email and let me know, or, you know, rant on the Twitter, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Cinema5K is the Twitter, and Cinema5KPod at gmail.com is how you can communicate with me if you have any questions or if you want to just say hey, or if you don't want to at all. But anyway, let's, let's get into it. So <laughs> I am, I'm going to bring up my diary just to give you a sense of how much I have been watching since the last episode that was a full episode. Um, so uh, going back to 
December 23rd, <laughs> I I have this giant booklet, booklet with all these DVDs that I've gotten over the years. Like, I'm a big fan of the Bull Moose Grab Bag. If you don't know what Bull Moose is, go to bullmoose.com. Uh, Bull Moose is a local chain to me, but you can buy these grab bags online where you can get like 10 movies or five Blu-rays or they have like special ones sometimes where you can buy uh, like a lot of different DVDs, just loose DVDs, no cases, and uh, all the movies in there. Obviously, it's a grab bag, so it's a surprise, and I love buying them so much because I sometimes get movies that I absolutely love, and then it's like, oh, I've got a physical copy. It has happened. Believe me, I have opened it up and been like, oh, I don't own this on Blu-ray, and now I do. Uh, like, I found uh, one grab bag one time that I bought that was all Blu-rays that had, like, all the Indiana Jones original trilogy on Blu-ray and another one had like the Lord of the Rings movies like I'm not a big Lord of the Rings fan but it was just kind of cool to like have it like I own these now that's great but sometimes the movies are really terrible <laughs> I have multiple um let's just say I have multiple Ashton Kutcher movies sorry Ashton um that I now own unfortunately that maybe they'll never get watched maybe they'll uh be turned into coasters or something like that but uh the next movie i watched or rather the first of this episode on the 23rd was something that i did indeed get in a grab bag it is national lampoon's vacation from 1983 directed by harold ramis which is really not a mallory movie that much at all other than it takes place in the 80s and uh it is very 80s. Uh, the tagline is, every summer, Chevy Chase takes his family on a little trip. This year, he went too far. Clark Griswold is on a quest to take his family on a quest to Wally World theme park for a vacation. But things don't go exactly as planned. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this was fine. I gave it three stars. It made me laugh. It was amusing. Uh, Chevy Chase is Clark uh, you know, he's a, he's one of those guys who's on the road and he sees a hot woman and he's like, hey, baby, what's up? And of course, he makes a fool of himself. But that's a running theme in the movie that, you know, you wouldn't do these days. Uh, but I uh, I think this is fine uh, for a road trip movie. It's got some gags in it here and there that are pretty innocent. I do believe this is rated R. It might be. Uh, it's it's it's. I guess it's fine. I guess I know why it's a classic. It's a classic because when it came out, it was popular. Chevy Chase was popular. Nowadays, um, well, they tried to, they did, it's not that they tried, they did indeed make a remake of it um, with what's his name? I can't remember, but that one, I guess, kind of bombed. And it was probably way, way more raunchy than this one is, but uh, it's, it's, it's fine. I mean, it's got Beverly D'Angelo in it and then uh, Randy Quaid, of course, and Anthony Michael Hall plays uh, Rusty in this film. I haven't seen all the vacation movies. I want to say I've seen like half of Christmas Vacation. I'm really not sure if I've ever seen it all the way through. Uh, in European Vacation, I've seen only bits and pieces on TV. Never seen Vegas Vacation. But uh, those aren't movies that are in the forefront of my mind where it's like, I gotta see those. Those are like, eventually someday, I will just be home with nothing to do and I will turn on the TV um, and AMC or HBO or whatever is going to be playing one of them and that's how I'll see it. That's just how these movies kind of work. Or in this case, I was just like, I need something 90 minutes to watch before I go to bed because I'm not tired quite yet, but I do need to start winding down. So National Lampoon's Vacation from 1983, directed by Harold Ramis. Like, you could do worse. I rated it three stars. It's amusing. It's fine. It's 
it's fine. <laughs> okay, so moving on, going back to my letterbox diary, just because there's a lot of movies. Christmas Day, Christmas Day, I ended up watching after we watched like the Santa Claus and First Wives Club. Um, I was like on my own in the living room. I don't remember what happened, but uh, I just needed to find something to watch while I was deserted by everybody in my family. No, I don't know. Uh, uh, oh, I remember. Uh, my parents went to take my Uncle Alan home to his his house where he lives. And so I was in the house alone for a bit. And I ended up putting on uh, a Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, from 2019, directed by Will Bitcher and Richard Phelan. I had wanted to see this for a while. I like the Aardman animated films. Um... I was in the Christmassy mood of watching something very uh, earnest and precious and, you know, innocent. And Shaun the Sheep is so cute. Uh, but this one, I wasn't the biggest fan of it. Uh, I think the general plot was okay. Uh, the tagline is Close Encounters of the Furred Kind. <laughs> and the summary is when an alien with amazing powers crash lands near Mossy Bottom Farm, Sean the Sheep goes on a mission to shepherd the intergalactic visitor home before a sinister organization can capture her. So basically, Sean the Sheep befriends an alien. Uh, the alien's cute. It kind of looks like a rabbit. Um, but what happens is that the farm, the guy who owns the farm, ends up like wanting to capitalize on the alien presence and... I didn't really like that side of the plot. Everything between Sean and the alien was cute. It's fine. I gave it three stars. Uh, the animation is beautiful. All these movies are so beautiful. I really think they're like, ah, uh, they're just so cute. <laughs> um, I wish more animated movies kind of had this, this, not really edge, but just the simplicity in design where like the expressions of the creatures don't have to be too much and they're not very... Um, like if you think about like the faces of animated characters in like Disney movies or maybe in the Illumination Studios, it's a little simplified in the Ardman stuff, like their eyes all kind of look the same. Uh, I like the Ardman stuff, like, um, like a close shave, Walsh and Gromit, uh, Walsh and Gromit in the Curse of the Were-Rabbit is an excellent movie. I highly recommend that one. Uh, and the original Shaun the Sheep movie is good too. Um, but Farmageddon, it's fine. It's on Netflix in the United States and in different countries. Um, it may not be on Netflix. It might be. I don't know for sure. But a Shaun the Sheep movie from Ageddon from 2019, directed by Will Betcher and Will Richard Phelan. Uh, it's fun. I enjoyed it. It's really good for kids, too, because it's one of those movies that doesn't rely on dialogue and lots of complex plot. It's all visual. So it's easy to take in. Totally fine. Did I say fine? It's fine. <laughs> uh, now for something completely different. I will say that when I have transitions from something very innocent to something not very innocent. I watched the 2011 film directed by William Friedkin called Killer Joe. Tagline is a totally deep fried Texas redneck trailer park murder story. And the summary is a cop who moonlights as a hitman agrees to kill the hated mother of a desperate drug dealer in exchange for a tumble with the young man's virginal sister. Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> um, I wasn't a big fan of this one. I, it was very, very clearly something that was based on a play. It's based on a play by Tracy Letts. And uh, it is there's, there's a certain nastiness in this. And uh, I will say Matthew McConaughey is actually very fantastic in this for his nasty character of Joe. Uh, I don't really care for Emil Hirsch's character, Chris, because he's the one who's kind of bringing this like up to light because about inheritance and things like that. Thomas Hayden Church uh, plays his uh, 
brother Chris, uh, Chris's brother Ansel, and then Gina Gershon is the girlfriend of, or wait she's the wife of Ansel and so there's some infidelity and things that happen between them and it's all very uh how do I say it very crude and very nasty and poor Juno Temple oh my gosh that poor girl um Juno Temple is in her 20s I think I think she was in her 20s when this movie was made but she's playing a very young girl in a very awful situation it's a nasty film um I would have enjoyed this a lot more if it felt less like Friedkin was kind of boxed in by the budget limitations of this and how the film was filmed because it just felt it just felt like there was not a lot working on this production it, something about it just felt it just felt it just felt too play like I hate saying that with it when it comes to adaptations but I it just didn't it didn't satisfy me. Like there wasn't enough really going on with this as far as how the story was presented and the things that you can tell about a story with visual things. Like you don't necessarily need to have just reliance on the script. You can tell things through how, you know, stories are structured through the environments and also the visuals. And it just felt short. Like it felt, it felt, it, oh my gosh, I hate saying this, but it felt like one of those movies you watch that you know are direct to DVD and it's just like a low production value. It's just they made the movie just to make it kind of thing. And I don't want to say that about this movie, but it feels like that. And it was disappointing. I didn't find very any of the characters interesting. Like maybe Gina Gershon's character. I did I did like her. Uh but like Emil Hirsch playing Chris and he got beat up and all this other crap. Like I can't sympathize with that guy, especially since I know that Emil Hirsch is like an actor who has like over the years been in a lot of trouble and been very abusive so when you see someone like that in a movie where their reputation <laughs> you're you're trying to the the movie wants you to sympathize with this person but you just can't because you know what kinds of things they've done in their personal life and I want to say that stuff happened before this movie was even made um but in general like even setting that aside I don't think Emil Hirsch was very good in this he feels just a little off Thomas Hayden Church I think commits to the bit perfectly and like I said Matthew McConaughey is great in this so he's the weak link and of course Gina Gershon always good but that's Killer Joe from 2011 directed by William Friedkin I gave it two stars I don't recommend this movie because that nastiness and what this is about just doesn't deliver like even setting Emil Hirsch aside but anyway let's move on Okay, guys, went to the theater. I saw Avatar. Avatar The Way of Water, the brand new movie, making over a billion dollars. You know the story. Directed by James Cameron. The tagline is simple. Return to Pandora. <laughs> Set more than a decade after the events of the first film. Learn the story of the Sully family. family. <laughs> Jake, Natiri, and their kids. The trouble that follows them. The lengths they go to keep each other safe. The battles they fight to stay alive and the tragedies they endure. So set aside everything you know about an, uh, Avatar, okay? Yes, the Ferngully stuff, the, you know, possible, like, appropriation we've got going on from all this. I just need to tell you that you need to see this movie, and here's why. You will not see a visually so amazing movie, like, ever in your life until you see this movie. It is phenomenal. Like, James Cameron knows how to make a movie. We knew this. Like, Titanic, fantastic. Terminator, Terminator 2, great. Aliens, great. This guy spent 
hundreds of millions of dollars to bring us this movie. And for the price of admission, you will not have a better time for such a cheap ticket. Like we're talking average ticket price these days is probably around 15 bucks or so, at least when it comes to night showings. Matinee is probably like 10 to $12 for three hours and let's see, three, it's 192 minutes. You will not have a better bang for your buck as far as entertainment and visual feasts for your eyes and senses than this movie. I'm, I am dead serious. Okay. I gave this movie three stars though. <laughs> three stars. Um, yeah, story isn't, story isn't great. Uh, the acting's fine. I actually really liked Sigourney Weaver as a teenage girl named Kira, Kiri. She's really fantastic, but the story, the story, bringing back Stephen Lang's awful military guy into this movie because he wants to kill Jake Sully because he's, he's a compromised and he's like taking care of the Navi and he's, he's against the military. It's like, it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> um, but I will say for a movie that the story isn't so great, there are still some good performances. Like all the children actors are really good. I liked pretty much, pretty much everything to do with them. Uh, there's some conflict here and there that's a little expected, like clashes of the different kinds of Navi, like the water people Navi and the non-water people. I'm not going to spoil it here. All I'm going to say is I saw it in the high frame rate with 3D and I went to the local Regal Cinemas and the RPX showing and it was just amazing, like amazing to look at, amazing to experience. I will definitely be seeing it again. I don't think you need to do the high frame rate, but I think the 3D adds a lot. It really feels like you are in a fish tank, like your head is in the fish tank and you're seeing all this amazing stuff. And the thing that blew my mind the most about this movie, beyond just the fact that there is so much care taken into this character, the character structures of like how these people look, like how, okay, they're not people. Yes. The Navi, like there's so much detail. Um, I loved that there were just new things to look at. That's amazing. Like you see movies every day and either the structure of the, you know, the acts, the like the ways the script, the script is, you know, archetypes, whatever you want to say, cliches of cinema, the way this movie looks and how things are built and presented, either the fish, the underwater life, or just the lands. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. It's absolutely mind blowing. Uh, I, yeah, maybe the three stars isn't enough just because I just, you can't, you can't compare this movie to like anything else. And it upsets me to think that there are movies getting made by like Disney with Marvel. They're spending 200 and some million dollars or maybe even more on movies that just like turn and burn. They like make them really quick. They shoot, the, shoot them in front of green screens and they come out and they all look like crap. Like the last Wakanda movie, I wanted to love how that movie looked, but it just looked terrible. And this movie costs double, maybe even a little more. Yeah. But every dollar is in front of your eyes. Like they 1000% the way this movie is made, the production is phenomenal. The, um, the producers guild of America is going to be doing their awards soon for the PGA, you know, top produced film. Like this is, this is, this is just incredible filmmaking. It's incredible. It's absolutely, it's, it's mind-blowing. Um, and a little note just to give you a perspective on how I felt about Avatar 
the way of water versus the original avatar i need to mention that in the original avatar movie sigourney weaver becomes a navi and so she's running and she's like got her stanford shirt on i think it was stanford or maybe it was harvard and she just looks a little silly and in this movie they show her character again as a navi not just her acting as like the teenage version of herself i'm not going to tell you why but um the visual effects have caught up so much that that same version of Sigourney Weaver's character as a Navi is shown in this new movie and you can tell how much CGI has advanced like how detailed her face is now compared to that other movie it just it just blew my mind like this movie it's it's so much it is yeah it is a lot to take in I will say but if you have any inkling of going to see this in the theater just do it because home exhibition is just not the same as seeing it on the big screen um yeah and like if you're not into the 3d i get it it's fine but it's 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 crazy to me like how this is made like none of this is real all of this is so fake and it looks <laughs> it looks real but it's not real you know and there there are movies being made these days that are supposed to be big blockbuster movies and they just look like shit compared to this it's it's incredible. It still blows my mind just thinking about it. But Avatar The Way of Water, I mean, not much to say about the story. I don't want to spoil anything either, but I will say, wow, what a picture. What a picture. Um, <laughs> uh, moving on to something, again, a little different. Uh, Disney's Strange World from 2022, directed by Don Hall. This came out in theaters around Thanksgiving-ish, and now it's on Disney+. Plus. And I don't watch a lot of stuff on Disney+, Plus, but when I saw this was on there, I was like, oh, I have to give it a shot. Because I had wanted to go see it in the theater, and it actually is still playing, like, maybe one showtime a day at the local like, theater. But I just didn't have the time. It didn't work out. And I, I also thought to myself, you know, maybe you're just not excited about this movie. But one night, I just... I just gave it a look and it was amusing. It was fun. It was light. The tagline is journey to a place where nothing is as it appears. A journey deep into an uncharted and treacherous land where fantastical creatures await the legendary clades, a family of explorers whose differences threaten to topple their latest and by far most crucial mission. So it's like kind of like journey to the center of the earth, center of the earth kind of exploration for this family. Uh, it has voices by Jake Gyllenhaal, Gabrielle Union, Jabuki Young-White. If you're a little internet-y, you know who Jabuki is. Um, and then we've got Lucy Liu and Dennis Quaid. Now, Dennis Quaid, here's the thing. Probably the most interesting thing about this movie. He plays uh, Jaeger Quaid, who is a character who at one point disappears for a while. And when he comes back, he's a bit older. And then Jake Gyllenhaal's character, Searcher Quaid, um, gets reunited with him. And it occurred to me uh, that Dennis Quaid in this movie basically sounds like Jim Gaffigan doing a Harrison Ford impression, but it's Dennis Quaid. It's very weird. It's also kind of entertaining. Uh, there's not too much about this movie that's complex. It's just, you know, we're on this mission. We're doing exploration, family kind of thing. I hate to say it, but it's kind of a throwaway Disney movie. Like, it's not anything too special. But I think for something that's just over, like, 90-ish minutes, that's not too long, not too heavy, I think it's totally fine. Like, something similar to, like, Farmageddon, where visually there's enough things going on that it's it's interesting. It's not 
remarkable and not every movie has to be remarkable not every movie has to be avatar and i'm fine with that but i think stranger world delivers and i did like the voice performances dennis quaid being amusing jake Gyllenhaal is fine uh gabrielle union plays his wife and it's it's an enjoyable movie uh if you have any interest in seeing it you can watch it now like i said on disney plus maybe it's still playing in a theater near you but yeah it's not gonna make my top 10 or anything like that but i mean strange world uh, for a Disney-ish movie that's not, like, totally, how shall I say it? It's not like it's Frozen or anything like that. It's not like it's Sing Song. It's not like it's that heavy, heavy-handed Disney thing. It's it's fine. It's it's better than Lightyear, which came out earlier this year. But uh, uh, I do recommend Strange World, uh, the newish Disney film from uh, director Don Hall, which, as I said, you can now watch on Disney+. Plus. Okay. And yeah, well, <laughs> going back into streaming stuff again, the day after I watched Strange World, uh, it wasn't quite New Year's, it was New Year's Eve Eve. Uh, I was home, needed a movie to watch, needed something new to maybe talk to you about. Um, I uh, I got onto Netflix and it ended up, ended up putting on Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, the new film directed by Ryan Johnson, which you can only find only find on Netflix right now. It did play in theaters a while ago and some people were upset that, oh, Netflix is throwing away all this money because it's only in theaters for like a week. Netflix, what are you doing? Well, I have to remind people, Netflix is not in the business of showing movies in theaters. They do it from time to time, sure. Maybe they want to qualify for awards. But uh, Netflix is not here to be your friend and but butts and seats. Oh no, they want you at home. They want you watching movies and they don't care. Uh, so it doesn't have a tagline. That's the one weird thing. But the summary is world famous detective Benoit Blanc heads to Greece to peel back the layers ho, 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 of a mystery surrounding a tech billionaire and his eclectic crew of friends. Uh, I saw somebody I know write that they didn't believe that any of these people would actually be friends. These characters who are all influencers and maybe gurus of sorts. Um, I have to agree. <laughs> um, I will be upfront and say I was not a fan of the first Knives Out movie. Like, there's some kind of cheekiness in the humor that you get with Ryan Johnson that just doesn't sit well with me. It just doesn't quite, I don't know, it's, it's not for me. So, like, I went into this with an open mind. I was just kind of like, well, you didn't like the first Knives Out movie, but what if you enjoyed this? Because you generally enjoy Edward Norton, Kate Hudson's okay, Dave Bautista, like, he's in some decent movies. He's not a bad performer at all. But this movie left a very, very sour taste in my mouth, and here's why. So, uh, what am I saying? Netflix played Ryan Johnson like $400 million to make this movie and another Knives Out sequel. So they basically said, yes, Ryan Johnson, please do not put your movies in theaters. Just work with us, Netflix, so we can take over the world and, you know, have everybody's attention around the holiday season on our new movie. Um, that's a little weird. Um, I, uh, I think the, the, the money aspect of it is like, yeah, of course, you know, you want to make your movie, you want to get as much money as you can and then have creative freedom to some degree, right? Well, here's the thing about this movie. Um, it's all about these influencer peoples and they're all not very enjoyable, not very nice to be around. And then there's Daniel Craig who, uh, I, I don't buy the accent. I don't like him in this. I don't, I don't think it works. And it's so weird because I was watching Logan Lucky on TV probably, not even a month ago, and his accent in that is not that much different, but it works better. 
I don't know what it is, but I don't like him as Benoit Blanc. Um, Edward Norton's character, I just found, I found a little flat, like not even interesting in a way that he's supposed to be so terrible uh, that he's flat and boring, but also intriguing. None of this like worked for me. I thought the whole movie and its idea of this conflict and the mystery was, uh, man, uh, to quote the movie, it's so dumb. Yeah, I, uh, I just hated this movie. I, I found it so, man, I don't want to say it's up its butt, but it just feels like nobody told Ryan Johnson, hey, so your humor, your humor here, it's a, it's going to work for some people, but it's not going to work for everybody. And I think, I think knowing how much money this, I know, I think knowing how much money he made making this movie, and this is what he wants to do, and this is his humor, um, and how it talks about these kinds of really reprehensible people um i it just it feels really bizarre to me and really icky i'm not sure what it is and how to verbalize it completely without spoiling the movie but uh yeah so glass onion and knives that mystery i just i didn't like this at all it was over two hours long like okay i can watch a long movie here and there but if i'm watching a movie that i don't enjoy with characters i'm not into and don't find entertaining i don't even think kate hudson was very good in this either and i usually like her even when she's being you know a bit flighty a bit ditzy uh that's the character but i just didn't care for this like at all and uh yeah i've seen a mystery movie here and there and this ain't it folks for me at least, but I know this is popular with a lot of my friends and a lot of people. And you know what? That's great. I hope everybody who sees this has a good time. Um, and I hope that anybody who has reservations about it, uh, maybe just listens to me and says, Hey, maybe I won't like this because yeah, Mallory warned me that if you're not into that kind of thing, you're not going to be on board with it. But anywho, uh, very much not for me, Glass Onion, Knives Out Mystery, directed by Ryan Johnson. Uh, good luck with the next movie. I'm, I'm thinking I won't watch it because uh, I have a lot of movies to watch in my life and time is ticking. So let's move on. Oh, and I rated it one and a half stars out of five. So yeah, like I said, I didn't want to spoil it, guys. So <laughs> something I uh, I can talk about in full without spoiling. Uh, something I watched the very same night to more or less cleanse my palate. It's Ticket to Paradise from 2022, directed by Ole Parker starring Julia Roberts and George Clooney. The tagline is, they're in this together, for better or worse. A divorced couple teams up and travels to Bali to stop their daughter from making the same mistake they think they made 25 years ago. So this is harmless. This is totally, totally harmless. It's a romantic comedy with these two people who are bickering and kind of upset with each other because they don't like being near each other. And then they're poor sweet daughter just wants to be in love she meets this wonderful guy they're so cute together but these two i'll say these two assholes they they feel like they need to interject and be like listen listen don't do this don't do it girly don't don't throw your life away like we did despite the fact that our union made you our wonderful child um yeah there's no surprises with this movie this that is all the movie is these two people getting together and trying to scheme and then what do you think happens in the end take a wild wild guess um i i have to say i'm conflicted (laughs) um i don't know if it's the direction of the movie or how it was edited or what but it feels like 
to me at least, George Clooney and Julia Roberts are being a little bit scheming and bitter and everything around them is so lush and vibrant and uh, nice and everybody's very earnest that these two people just don't work in this movie despite them having these intentions with this plot they just feel like they're kind of acting in a different movie so that just might be a me thing because i i'm guessing there are people out there that really enjoyed this movie it did decent at the box office um some of my friends gave it good ratings on letterbox too but for me i just felt I felt like something was amiss with their performances and the level of what they were doing. Uh, and it's too bad because, like I said, everything around them is very nice and pleasant. And Caitlin Dever plays their poor daughter, who is going through what should be the most happiest time for her, at least as far as this relationship and this man who she's going to get married to because they seem so sweet together. And then her stupid jerk parents, who are divorced and being jerks, did I say jerks? Yes, they're being jerks. Um, are just being dummies. Um, I gave it two stars. So, yeah, it's such a pleasant movie if you take them out of the picture, and it's just too bad. Um, but like I said, this could just be my perception of them and how I feel about it because I could see someone like, well, I know she already saw it, but my mom, I know she saw this movie and she enjoyed it, and I know my dad enjoyed it, but uh. It's just not for me, unfortunately. I, I will say it's not a bad movie. This is just not... No, 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 no. It's one thing for a movie to, like, really have things about it that really turn me off. It's another if I'm just kind of like, well, this is kind of how I feel and perceive their performances. So it could hit totally different for somebody else. Um, you could do worse. Let's just say that. So Ticket to Paradise, directed by Ole Parker, a newer release. Uh, you can actually watch it right now on Peacock if you have Peacock streaming. That's how I watched it, so... That's that. Uh, moving ahead, I didn't didn't watch like any other movie for the rest of the year besides this one, Near Dark, from 1987, directed by Catherine Bigelow. This was going to be my last movie of the year. I I couldn't think of anything else to watch, and then I go on the Criterion channel to look at what's expiring at the end of the month, end of the year, and lo and behold, there's Near Dark. I've been wanting to see this for years, for such a long time finally got the chance to give it a shot and here's the tagline in one hot hungry kiss he gave her everlasting love she gave him everlasting life a midwestern farm boy reluctantly becomes a member of the undead when a girl he meets turns out to be part of a band of southern vampires who roam the highways in stolen cars so the guy in question is adrian pazdar he gets bitten and he ends up turning into a vampire and ends up hanging out with people like Lance Hendrick and Bill Paxton and Jenny, excuse me, Jeanette Goldstein. Um, these are scary, creepy vampire peoples. And um, this movie is very uh, bleak and dark, like major atmosphere. Like we're talking scary ass dive bars, but people just get bit and it's like, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, one one problem for this movie. This is not a big thing. I just think the script is a little slight. There's just not much story about this. It really is just about Adrian Pastar's character, uh, Caleb, as he sort of navigates this newfound world of like, okay, I've been bitten. I know I have like, my, my life as I know it is like over. And 
so it's creepy and he's just trying to kind of get on the run with them it's 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 a bit of a road picture in some ways but um this is oh man it's 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 okay I'll say this as a compliment to the movie it left me wanting more like I wanted more of this world in this universe so that's maybe a good thing it's only like 94 minutes it feels really short like where's the rest of this movie it it makes me wonder if like there were other stories that were happening and they cut them out of the script um for but for what it is for like creepy icky vampire movie uh in the 80s like it does the job and it has a tangerine dream score guys tangerine dream is you know, 80s scores, perfection, like Tangerine Dream, always good. Um, But I don't have too much to say about this just because there's not a lot to say. And I wish there were more things I could say about it. But Catherine Bigelow does a really good job with setting up this world and uh, all the performances are good. I, you know, I just wanted more. Like this could have had a sequel. Wouldn't that be cool? A near dark sequel, but you couldn't do it now. Movies these days are just too slick. They're not nasty the way they used to be. They don't have that grain and grit. Like this is, this is some bleak shit. Like at one point, um, there's a small child that you think is going to be turned into a vampire and that's, ooh, that's some heavy stuff. But uh, Near Dark from 1987, directed by Catherine Bigelow. I gave it three stars. It's a good movie. I just wish there was more to this is too bad but uh if you like Catherine Bigelow um guys if you haven't seen Point Break please go watch Point Break you know Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze uh great movie so much fun so much <laughs> uh I yeah atmosphere in that one too uh intensity like good action uh near dark uh and Point Break uh would make a very good double feature of Catherine Bigelow films and on New Year's Day. So New Year's Day, uh, this was pretty easy. I just went with Wendell and Wilde. This is a new movie directed by Henry Selick on Netflix. It is an animated film, stop motion kind of stuff. It's really cool looking. I, I really enjoyed the design of this movie. I think that's almost most of what my rating is. But uh, there's no tagline, though the summary is, two demon brothers enlist the aid of Cat Elliot, a tough teen with a load of guilt, to summon them to the land of the living. But what Cat demands in return leads to a brilliant, bizarre, and comedic adventure like no other. I liked this. This was a unique film. It has a different kind of story. Uh, I liked Cat as a character. Uh, Wendell and Wilde, these two wisecracking kind of characters it's it's dark it's weird uh it's hard to describe (laughs) um but i think if you gave the trailer a look you would get an idea for what this movie is um it's suitable for both you know children children with families uh, not little kids No, no 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 not for little kids but i like the darkness of this and how it plays with um the light and dark sort of side of things because kat's character has to deal with this um this sadness in her life and uh, the weirdness and humor of it. Um, this made, this made me think a lot of the movie Paranorman, which I don't know how to explain to everybody, but, uh, Wendell and Wilde directed by Henry Selick. I don't want to spoil it. Uh, just give it a look. It's on Netflix. It's, it's a, it's 107 minutes. So a little longer than like a 90 minute movie, but there's plenty of things going on with the story. And I like the voice acting, uh, Angela Bassett just, voice acting like I recognized her immediately in this and we've got uh Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele also doing voices and I will mention too that Henry Selick and Jordan Peele wrote the script for this as well so a little bit of that darkness and humor that you 
can kind of expect if you're familiar with Henry Selleck's work like um, Nightmare Before Christmas then adding Jordan Peele to that you get something kind of unique and fun and I dug this uh it might not be for everybody it's a it's a very unique film but I do recommend Wendell and Wilde which you can find in Netflix directed by Henry Selleck and I gave this three and a half out of five stars um something I unfortunately can't quite recommend uh my second movie of 2023 guys i'm so sorry oh man uh, another animated film it's guillermo del toro's pinocchio uh directed by guillermo de- del toro and mark Gustafson. this is also on netflix and the tagline is love will give you life during the rise of fascism in mussolini's italy a wooden boy brought magically to life struggles to live up to his father's expectations well, it's the story of Pinocchio that you know, but you add in the darkness of fascism and the rise of hatred and um, war ideas and nastiness. And uh, that's this movie, which you can kind of expect from Guillermo del Toro. Like, think of Pan's Labyrinth and then think of Pinocchio, one and the same in some ways. Um, but uh, setting the animation aside, which I actually think is really, really beautiful like it's stop motion stuff it looks great uh it's a very unique world i like how almost everything looks um sadly this is a no for me uh there's some things about it this just kind of rubbed me the wrong way i don't really love the story i don't really love the direction and how things are some of the voice acting i wasn't a big fan of um specifically i will say ewan mcgregor um ewan mcgregor as the cricket um i just didn't really like him in this uh, i don't know uh david bradley as geppetto is really good um but uh christoph waltz is also in it and tilta swinton uh there's some recognizable voices here and there but another thing i i just didn't really care for this movie wants to be a musical there are some songs in this i think only i i think i actually only liked one of them i thought most of the songs were pretty bad and the tone of this, adding the stuff to do with the conflict of fascism, and then the story with Geppetto and Pinocchio and this, the songs, oh, it's it's a weird kind of mess for me, at least. I know some people really like this movie, but oh boy, uh, it just rubbed me the wrong way. It was not, it was not so great for me. Um, Letterboxd says this is 117 minutes. I don't think it's that long. I think there's like maybe 12 minutes of credits on this because it's on Netflix. Um, I think if you like Guillermo del Toro, you're not going to be disappointed. No matter what I say, he's got some diehard fans out there. I'm not one of those people. Um, I find a lot of his movies a little frustrating. Tone is always a thing for me with his movies. I'll give him a shot, but like sometimes it just doesn't quite work. I will say that Crimson Peak is probably the one I like I want to say I like the best. I haven't seen all of his movies. Like I haven't seen Blade 2, haven't seen Kronos. So I'll have to give those a shot. But for me, this just isn't quite it, you guys. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Uh, now on Netflix, which you can watch. Directed by Guillermo del Toro and Mark Gustafson. I gave it two and a half out of five stars. It's not terrible. No, no, no. I can't say that with animation like this. It looks exquisite, but it's just not, just not quite it for me, guys. I'm so sorry. Um, and yesterday so yesterday excuse me not february january 3rd i uh, finally got to watch the banshees of inna sharon directed by martin mcdonough the tagline is 
everything was fine yesterday. <laughs> uh, two lifelong friends find themselves in an impasse when one abruptly ends their friendship with a alarming consequences for both of them with alarming consequences for both of them. Uh, so Martin McDonough has done a number of films over the years that are also, you know, part of his work. He, he writes plays and he makes movies. Um, the film stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson as these two friends who all of a sudden really aren't friends anymore. And that's uh, really just up to Colm, uh, Brendan Gleeson's character and his uh, so-called friend, but not so much friend, Patrick, um, played by Colin Farrell, uh, doesn't deal well with the conflict that's happening and how he can't really be friends with this man anymore. Um, I'm not going to spoil this movie. I'll just say this was just not for me. I'm sorry. Uh, I think something to do with McDonough's scripting and how he writes people uh, just kind of rubs me the wrong way. I was absolutely not a fan of Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. And um, he did that movie Seven Psychopaths as well, I believe. And I just didn't like that one as well. Um, though I will say, this is a movie that's going to play pretty well for a lot of people. It's not for me, but uh, I didn't I didn't hate this movie. It looks it looks great. Um, I like the music in the movie, but I uh, I like Colin Farrell too. But not even Colin Farrell can get me to the finish line on this and really say like it's a great movie or anything like that. It just it just came and went for me as a as an experience. It's just about two hours. Um, I I do kind of wonder if this would have played a little differently for me in a theater. Because just watching it at home, uh, I think I kind of felt the length of it and the plottingness of this conflict between these two men. I don't know. It. I don't want to say it's a movie I'll give another shot someday because I just can't see that happening for me. Um, but I will say, uh, you know, Colin Farrell's fine in it. I also liked Barry Kagan in it as well as a character Dominic. Though Dominic's kind of like an expected archetype like you see in a lot of movies where there's small town conflict happening and there's just like that one side character to sort of give antidotes here and there and maybe have their own um path that's a little frustrating i'm not gonna spoil it um but yeah the banshees of inna sharon directed and written by martin mcdonough just not for me you guys uh i gave it two and a half out of five i can't say it's a bad movie i can't all i can say is it's just not for me. And this might work for, well, actually, I know it works for a lot of people. Pretty much everybody I know, um, or at least people I follow on Letterboxd, like gave it four stars. There may be a couple stray two stars here and there. And yeah, just not a hit for me. Um, I, I, It's a movie I wish I liked too, because uh, Colin Farrell was an actor. When he came out, I just was like, oh, he's just some pretty boy. You know, they're putting him in movies. But over the years, he's done a lot of very good work that I've really really enjoyed uh and even like a movie like saving mr banks which i didn't necessarily care for he's really good as a side character playing like this father in flashbacks that was great and he's done some work in recent years with um yorgos lanthimos uh he's in like the lobster and the killing of a sacred deer and i wasn't the biggest fan of uh, the lobster i did like killing of a sacred deer but he's so good in those movies like he's really come into his his own as like a mature actor like acting in adult roles and then he was in after yang earlier this year which i did really like um and you guys may have remembered him in the batman from earlier in 2022 as you know penguin where he's very unrecognizable but he's great in it like really really good um yeah it's just too bad i just <sighs> 
I'm just I'm always disappointed when like an actor I really like is like hitting their stride and doing good work and then they come into a movie that just didn't hit for me and I wish I liked it more but yeah the Banshees of Inisherin, as I said directed by Martin McDonough two and a half stars from me uh that will be a conversation thing for awards and this and that because I guess Colin Farrell is like seen as the front runner for best actor or whatever um I I won't be upset if he wins an award for it of course whatever it's just an award it doesn't matter it doesn't mean anything but um I still like Colin Farrell so yeah that's that um and I do believe that is the episode for now um <laughs> a little scattershot there a lot to talk about a lot of talking a lot of movies I had 11 movies to talk to you about and that's that's all I've got to say for now so I hope you enjoyed listening to this as I said this is the first episode of uh 2023 and there are plenty of more movies coming down the pike i don't know if there will be an episode next week um around the 10th or not the 10th no probably the 12th or so i'm not sure how many movies i'll get to but uh you can you can check out the twitter account for following uh, more details of what's coming up next what maybe things i've seen or thoughts i have uh cinema 5k on twitter or you can send an email, cinema5kpod at gmail.com. And there's also an Instagram, cinema5k on Instagram. You can follow along. I've been posting some pictures here and there, little ideas and thoughts about things going on and kind of working on that, kind of working to, you know, keep up with Instagram because who knows what's going on with Twitter these days. It looks like t- Twitter is Twitter's kind of stable, but you know what? In this world, anything could happen with internet stuff and the like but uh yeah i'm mallory thank you so much for listening i always appreciate it and uh i hope you have a great day and you enjoyed this episode and your 2023 is awesome so take care